The League presents Electric People. In three, two, one. Hello, Electric People and friends. I am sitting here with Kim Wathen. Hello, Kim. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you for driving to meet me at my office today. Of course. Um, so for you guys that work at Sunrun, you've probably heard Kim Wathen's name. For you guys that don't, um, I'm excited for this conversation. Kim's a great example of somebody that came into the career and is really using it as a way to propel her life and inspire other people. So did you know that? I did not know that. You knew that. <laughs> no, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Kim's modest, everybody, but she's a killer on doors. So um, let's start. So you're in the Temecula office and you started, I went back through your stats just a little while ago. And um, what was your official first quarter? That was Q3 of 2019. Okay. Yeah. So you started in Q3 of 2019, made it about a quarter and a half, and then COVID. COVID, yep. And you thrived in COVID. COVID was my biggest front-end quarter today. Front-end quarter? Yeah. So you created more new accounts mm -hmm. on the phone. Sitting at home. Your guys' team, like, that's really when Temecula started getting a lot of attention. Relatively new team before that. And then you guys just adapted to that selling at home life. It was crazy. I mean, it was really scary, like you said, for me, because I started and I didn't do anything spectacular in my combine, but I'd made more money than I ever made before, so I was comfortable. Do you know what you did in your combine? Do you remember? Eight. Eight welcome calls? Eight welcome calls. That's still pretty good. It was it was good for not having a background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was crazy because when COVID hit, I mean, I didn't have like this big backlog of accounts or people that yeah. had installed to like get yeah you didn't have from. a referral bank or right and so it was really scary I mean and I just moved out too so it was like now I had real bills I wasn't living at home anymore so the fear really set in and but oddly enough that's when it kind of changed for me when I felt like I made the jump from I'm just starting in this job and I hope I can make it to this is my career that's um, part of the reason I wanted to have you on well there's a lot of reasons yeah. the main reason is um a lot of times, especially when when we have um, females join the team, I'm always like, "Oh, you got to talk to Kim. You're one of my like, favorite people. You just because you just do the job so well. You're always in a great mood. You always contribute to the team." But I've thought that, and I've told you that multiple times. Yeah. When someone comes in, I'm like, "You got to talk to Kim," and <laughs> we end up like recruiting people and telling your story a lot. Like of someone that came in, thought they were going to have a different path, and then came in and started doing this. But mm -hmm. you know, you you were starting to mention that's where the switch started to flip. Yeah of um, where you kind of like took control of the job, found your confidence, found your voice. Totally. So maybe talk, talk to us about that. So, I mean, like I said, when I started, it was nothing spectacular, but it was enough. Eight welcome calls was enough to say, okay, I can do this job. Mm -hmm. This is going to be my profession. But um, when COVID first hit, I remember there was, I'll never forget, we were on a FaceTime and I think Taylor was telling us like, hey, you can knock doors, but here's this like notice that says that we're an essential worker. Um, and then it was the end of that day. They sent out a note said no more knocking. And it was We held on as terrifying. long as we could. <laughs> yeah. We held on. Did was it could. scarier to start knocking doors or start cold calling? Um, it was scarier to cold call. Hundred really? percent. Yeah. It was just because you had like just started to figure out yeah, knocking it was and brand then... new to the whole job, you know. And um, switched again on you. Exactly. But it was really cool. I think my favorite thing with COVID, what I saw was the way that the company, it was almost overnight. I mean, so at the time it was scary because you couldn't get a welcome call unless you were face to face. You had to have people sign on your iPad. Uh, people had to, you know, you had to be in contact and it felt like... Yeah, you had to hand your iPad over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but it felt like within two to three days, all of a sudden we could do everything virtual. Um, every leader came out with 
creative ideas of like, hey, even if you don't have this big customer base, here's how to get referrals and here's how to reach out to friends and family. And so um, that's where it really changed. And it was cool that you mentioned Temecula, but um, so shout out Scott and Jason, but Grant too, he's the one that recruited me. I think he did like 65 welcome calls sitting at home. So to see a leader like, this do is that, this he is was, yeah, outside. <laughs> it was, I think he liked it better, but to see someone be able to produce like that was like, oh, we can do this too, you know, so. It's really important, like, you know, for your next step in the career and stuff and, and mm-hmm. for all of our leaders that are listening, you know, we say that as a rep, you sell for income and as a leader, you sell for influence. Mm-hmm. What was it like seeing, you know, there, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of unknown um, just coming into the job, right. then switching to the phones. We have never done that before. And then all of a sudden seeing that your leaders were doing double, triple, quadruple the numbers that they were asking everybody else to. Was that really a thing that did you kind of survive on that until you had your own volume? 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. Like we even got so hardcore where we would almost daily, I feel like, get on a Zoom call with everyone from the office. Mm -hmm. But we made fun of it. Like we would dress up in costumes. I painted a beard on my face and I was the Tiger King. (laughs) (laughs) But like I forgot Tiger. (laughs) The world got the Tiger King during COVID. (laughs) We did. I'm not sure which was weirder. They the were Tiger King probably or COVID. equally as weird. Yeah. But I feel like that's the first event that everyone did when they locked down was watch Tiger King. Yeah, we all we all unified on that. We did. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> I'll admit it. I did it. There yeah. were times where I thought I should quit, but I persevered. You had to you have to hang tight for that. Yeah. yeah. But um anyway, so we just made fun of like the situation and did what we could. But a hundred percent watching the leaders outperform the way they had even ever performed before was completely encouraging. And then also what was really, really cool was I feel like not just even in Temecula, but company-wide, everyone unified to share best practices. Mm -hmm. Like I remember jumping on so many Zoom calls of DMs that I'd never even heard their names before that said, oh, I've been doing this and this works. Or, hey, I've been cold calling this way and then this works. And so um, one of the biggest takeaways I think that helped me when we went back onto doors was learning how to work every avenue. So it's not just knocking doors, but it's being creative of how can I create accounts with old friends and family? How can I, you know, create more referrals with my customers. So um, learning that, working all the avenues, social media, for example, was huge for me. Yeah, it's really not. Um, a couple of things I think from COVID with your team, number one, is it showed like the power, like at, at our most isolated time, honestly, in like our lifetimes, yep. that's really where your team came together because for some reason they created this culture of just hey, we're going to do the best we can and everybody's in the situation. So I remember like for the for you guys that that don't work at this company and uh, are listening during COVID, we started doing these Zoom calls, but everybody would like log in and then we'd mute and we'd all just call people. So it's like yeah. it was like the weirdest Zoom Some call ever. The Tiger King calling. People. Right. And like yeah. sometimes I remember we'd be like, hey, you know, we're going to have somebody kick this off and do a live cold call or yeah. something. Yeah. But um really it was just to show hey we're out here with you we're all doing this but i remember like your team who was it that shaved like the cul-de-sac in their head oh that was mike parish mike parish (laughs) so they do these incentives where it's like okay call five people run down the stairs shave your head and come back and people anyway it was like really fun so that was like a really cool testament to me of like hey this is how you run a team but from a from a sales standpoint i think it really taught salespeople that this is not a door-to-door job that's Mm -hmm. a really effective way to do the job Um, and you know, a large percentage of the volume done in this industry is done through direct sales. But I think what you just said is you come out of it and now you're like, okay, well, 
I work the avenue of, you know, I'll work referrals on the phone. I'll work social media. I'll work past customers and I'll create new ones. That's you're, you're more of an agent than you are like a, like a door to door sales person. Right. Well, it changes your perspective too, even like out in the area. So for example, like if you're going knocking, this happened to me once, but there was a guy doing a kitchen remodel for a house that was in my area. And he walked out and he saw me and he's like, oh, what you selling? And we started talking. Well, he lives in this like mansion in wine country in Temecula, but he's never got knocked before because it's gated. Mm. And he's like, yeah, come on by. Come send me some info. So, you you're know, driving out there. You're like, is this for real? <laughs> I was like, did that just happen? You yeah. Know? So kind of keeping, I, I love that. Yeah. Keeping the perspective that those accounts and what we offer is just needed universally. So obviously doors is the easiest way to accomplish that, but there's so many other avenues to work if you're creative enough. Them. How did you come into the industry? You said Grant Shaw recruited you. Did you know him from before? Or? Yeah. So I'm really close with Grant and his wife, Hannah. So we've gone to church together for a number of years. What is um, Grant? Was was he, he was like a youth pastor, right? Or a, a young adult, young adult pastor? Yeah, college age. What is that? Was it, was he your young adult pastor? <laughs> he was initially. And then I kind of, when I graduated college, I was kind of in leadership with him, alongside mm. him and everything. So, so yeah. what's that like? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Same yeah. dude, just different topic same or dude, what? Same dude, different topic. Okay. Same fire, same passion and everything. But um, yeah, he's awesome. If anyone does know Grant and what you guys know of him, he's really intentional with people. So he's super relational. So it was cool seeing that with him in church, but then also it translates to this job perfectly. Like he's so one-on-one with people and mm-hmm. he gives you a lot of attention. So so you guys had worked in like church leadership together, you said, mm-hmm. and then he just told you about this new job that he was doing. Mm-hmm. What were you doing at the time? So I was a server at okay. the time. Yeah. I graduated college in 2018 and I wanted to be a teacher. So I was substitute teaching and then I was serving at a breakfast place and a dinner restaurant. But between all three, substitute teaching and the two restaurants, I was clocking in like 60 or 70 hours a week, which was killing me. I was Jeez. dying. That's <laughs> hustle though. Like... It's funny because a lot of people think, man, I would never want to knock doors. I'm like, well, what's the alternative? Like, that's right. way worse. And I was making way less, too. Yeah. So. so, wait, you were, I didn't know that. I knew you were serving, but I didn't know you had two different jobs and were substitute teaching at the same time. It was crazy. So, I would get scheduled for the breakfast place like four days a week. Every day that I wasn't scheduled, that was a weekday, I would pick up a substitute job. So, all of those shifts were like seven to two. So, I'd wake up at six, go to work seven to two, and then I would work in the restaurant four or five nights a week. So, I would. So you're like seven to two, and then what? Like and then like four to midnight. Four brutal. Midnight. It was brutal. I would just sleep in my car. I'd bring a change of clothes, sleep in my car, just take and a nap, take a nap, and go serve. Jeez, what what oh, dinner restaurant crazy. were you working at? Lazy Dog. Oh, I love Lazy Dog. Do you? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty great. Is that the place that has? Is it the Jamaican lemonade that comes with a little coconut yes, squeezer? The coconut squeezer. Yeah, there. dude, I'm in on the Lazy Dog. Um, die for. What is the going rate for a substitute teacher? What do they pay you per day? $99 a day. It's up. It used to be 50 or maybe it was that wow. in just different states. There you go. Okay. 99 bucks a day. $99 a day. What did you want to teach? English. That was my degree. Okay. Um, so I'm actually still in school to get my degree and finish that up, but uh, that was the goal. So I thought I wanted to do elementary when I first graduated mm-hmm. and a professor said, just go check out, like go sub and try different settings and see what you like. And I picked up one third grade class and I hated it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say I fell in love. I hated it. No. All right, so third grade is not the, grade, that's is not not the grade, grade for you. I love kids, but having but 40 not third of them grade at a time kids. Forget not, those guys. No, yeah. So high school was where I kind of landed. Okay. So, yeah. But high school subbing is really easy because most teachers are like, hey, play this movie and just make sure they don't die. 
Third graders are awesome if they're your third graders, but I can imagine a pack of rabid third graders that are not your own. It's like 35 of them. It's a little scary. Jeez. (laughs) Different. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So, um, but you're still going to school Mm -hmm. just to finish it up or you think you might do it someday or so because you're pretty good at this. I thank you. I mean, that's the plan. So initially it was this job that the idea when I first got hired here was work this job until I have my degree and then go be a teacher but I fell in love with this job and um, I've grown to be better at it so um, I'm finishing the degree just to have it and I hope to get to teach one day not for the income of it because the income's not proportionate to the work that it takes to be a teacher mm-hmm. but um, just because I love it so yeah I think uh, that's cool I, one of the things that keeps me going you tell me if you feel the same is the kind of like my purpose or my my purpose in work is in one word it's options mm-hmm. it's I like having a lot of options you know what I mean it's it and it, it kind of goes all the way down to you know do I want to buy a house do I want to rent a house well I would like to make that decision based on what I would like to do not what I have to do right yeah. uh, you know do I want to send my kids to college do I not want to send them to college do do you know, should I buy them a car when they're 16? Should I not? Um, and I, I always had this idea for some reason, because we were just talking, I got, you know, tons of kids and we were just talking about, um, for some reason when I was like, when I had my first son, um, I thought if this kid gets the opportunity, my wife and I met snowboarding. And so I was like, if this kid gets the opportunity to be on like the U S snowboard team or something, I don't want my lack of ambition or hustle to ever impede his opportunity. So if we, if we choose to not do it, not that he's like going to get, I mean, maybe my kid's (laughs) not all that special and doesn't get that opportunity, but I just, it's, it seems to be one of my biggest fears is for them to have an amazing opportunity or maybe my kids can, you know, their, their friends are going on this big dance tour and they can't go or something. And I just, I don't ever want to be my, for my ambition, be the reason that they can't have these experiences, you know? And so I think, um, you know, I've said we're about to have a baby like any minute and I'm pretty much resolved to work until my kids are out of high school. But maybe when my, my new baby is in high school, maybe you can find their dad working at a community college (laughs) for two hours a week teaching (laughs) entrepreneurial sales or something (laughs) like that. You know, I love that. Well, I felt the same way. So my whole life, I've just wanted to be a mom. Honestly, I told my friends in high school, like, I wish I could major in mommying, you know, um, you can, I'm telling you that role is wildly underrated. It really is. It's, right? it's pretty Unless incredible. you know. If you've done it, then you know it's not underrated. It's right. amazing. But Right. 100%. So I didn't expect you to say that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's what I've always wanted to do. But yeah, so that's part of it too, is thinking the teaching schedule might align better when I have kids to be able to attend events. If I'm working when they're in school one day, you know, it'd be pretty cool. You're going to mom so hard. I hope so. Those little kids are going to be so dialed. Really? Especially so. this, though. I've always thought this with education is... You know, the traditional education system, it's pretty antiquated, right? Like pretty, like... Completely. Yeah, I mean, pretty universally, I think people agree that this curriculum and this style of learning was not meant for a magic computer in a handhold that that can answer any question, right? It probably needs to be updated. Um, But it's the things that aren't taught are the things that you are now getting a master's in, which is, you know, emotional intelligence, right? right? Like, like... um, goal setting, how to like drive a life, right? How to, Mm -hmm. how to alter your emotions or control them, Mm -hmm. how to, how to, 
you know, the art of persuasion, all confidence, all of those things, money management. You don't learn any of that stuff in school. Not at all. And so imagine like when you do have kids and you have this experience plus a teaching degree, that's what you're going to mom so hard. Like that's. Thank you. I'm really, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy because I mean, book smart, that's, that's fine. And it's great to earn a degree, but I've learned so much life skill in this job that I think is going to help me be a mom more than being a teacher, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder what the, the solution is there. And there are schools that are starting to like, you know, Hey, go solve this problem. Like work in a group and solve this problem because right. access to information is no longer the problem. Nope. You no longer have to like read a book and learn about something and then memorize it because you actually, yeah, you just ask Siri. I see, I hear my kids do it all the time. Yeah. They'll go. The funniest thing, one of the funniest things in like one of the, like the times I learned that I was dealing with like a different education system than I grew up with, but I was, uh, my son took my, this Alexa thing that I use as like an alarm clock next to my bed or whatever. And he took it in his room. He's learning all these different things in school from like, you know, historic events and, um, from friends and from like, you know, his parents and stuff. And so I was over by his room and I poked my head into his room and he had, um, he was listening to Rancid, like the band Rancid mm-hmm. through the Alexa. And I was like, all right, dude, like, I love Rancid, keep going. <laughs> and then I came back in, he was listening to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. And I'm like, who are you? He was like nine. Weird contrast. Yeah, but I guess he learned about it in school. But yeah. the thing is, cool. anything they want to know, they can have access to immediately. Right. Right. Well, and with COVID, we learned that too. So it was weird because, so I student taught for eight weeks back in, I want to say it was like earlier this year. Um, but it was, it was strange because the kids are just online on a Zoom call. So their screens are off. They're not getting video recorded. They don't have to legally. So Which could you imagine being like a kid and being on like I a five-hour Zoom call? No, I can't do it as an adult. I can't I know. imagine being 15 and doing that. But but yeah, it was, I mean, it was weird too because like when I would be in a faculty meeting, they'd say, hey, when we go back to school and you have half your kids in person, half your kids online, think through how you test them. Because if you give a test to all your students, it's the same test your in-person kids won't be able to cheat. Your online kids will cheat. <laughs> so it was, it was right. weird to plan for that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's everyone's starting to rethink how we do school kind of all together. It's really interesting. So what what um, what kind of attracted you to the job? And maybe talk to us for those that, I mean, you didn't start in this all that long ago. Mm-hmm. And you're to the point where you're a constant Prime member, which means that you're hitting at least an install a week pretty much consistently. And I, as I go through your quarters, you're always there. You're always right at that spot. Mm-hmm. And knowing what that pays, I mean, that puts you in the top 3% of earners in America. And you drove up here in a new Tesla, which you weren't driving when you started for this company. Correct. Yep. So maybe talk about what it was like for you starting and some of the lessons that you've learned as you've started to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it was weird jumping into it because, like I said, I had no background whatsoever, but honestly, serving in a way lended itself pretty well to this job. Again, so the work ethic was there because I was clocking in so much. So, Were you one of those waitresses that didn't write stuff down? I got pretty good at not writing stuff down. Man, that makes me nervous. I got really good at it. Well, so you get in that flow state. So it's this flow state. The thing is, I I know you can do it. You write you you write it down for me, not for you. <laughs> you feel more comfortable. Yeah, that's right. I want to be nervous yeah. that it's gonna. I'm gonna get like food with white sauce on it or something. You know what I mean? With the like, family, you're big. I probably would have wrote it down. All right, but, that'd make me feel better. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. So I think the work ethic was already there. I mean, I was already like I said, working so much. But um, with serving, I mean, it's kind of like this job in a lot of ways because there's parts of serving that you can control. There's parts you can't. 
So you can control your attitude. You can control showing up on time and helping out and being helpful with your coworkers and how well you wait your tables, but you can't control people's attitudes. And even if people are showing up to have dinner, sometimes they're so grumpy or they're having a bad day. Uh, you can't control if the cooks mess something up in the kitchen and your food's late and it gets served cold. So part of that was actually really similar to the way it is on doors. I mean, you, there's a couple things you can control in this job and it's your attitude and your work ethic are the main. And so, you know, well, the energy, sorry to interrupt you, no, but please, like the yeah, energy no. that comes at you is probably, I never thought of that before. Yeah. It's probably very similar. Very similar. Somebody's having a bad day. Mm-hmm. They come into your restaurant and their chest starts shooting negative energy right into yours, right? 100%. And it's the same thing. Totally the same thing. Or they're yeah. super happy and they kind of uplift your day and they're, they're, they're in your life for 40 minutes and then gone. Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly like that. So, But it's totally like that on doors too because you go knock and you're going to find the jerk that yells at you and you're going to find someone that you really connect with that becomes a friend, you know? So, um, so that actually translated pretty well. And then I think that helped me as far as going out to knock doors because it, it felt... I don't know. It felt pretty similar for some reason. It transferred over well in my head. Hmm. Yeah. So was it was it hard for you to start like with like approaching people on the doorstep and things like that? Because it's different, you know. So weirdly enough, on doors, I never had too much fear. I think because I really believed in what we were doing for people. So I think if I had no confidence in the product and the service that we're offering, uh, I would have felt insecure knocking on doors. But I remember, and maybe it's just Grant the way he communicates well, but I remember him explaining what we do. And I think the way he pitched it to me when he, he brought me over was he said, if you can knock on doors, you can say your name and that you're with Vivint at the time or Sunrun, and you can ask if they have a high electric bill and that there's a chance they could lower it for free. If you could just say that really terrible pitch, but say it to enough people, you'll make more money than you've ever made. And to me, in my head, I was like, well, yeah, easy. Let's do it. So to me, doors wasn't that hard. I think the learning curve for me when I first started was the sales psychology of closing. So doors was kind of the simple part because all you're doing is putting yourself out there and you'll find people just by the nature of what we do. But closing and welcome calls was where I really struggled in the beginning. If I can put you in a box and be somewhat prescriptive for a second, (laughs) I actually, I can see that. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine somebody meeting you on the door and just being outwardly aggressively mean for no apparent reason. I've, I've had that happen, but yeah. One a month is usually seldom. the rule I find. Is that right? <laughs> one a month. It's is about one a month. Yeah. And if you find that person on the fourth of the month, it's like, all right, you came out early this month, <laughs> but by the 27th, if it hasn't happened yet, you're like, where is he? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Somebody's coming. Some, some door you're going to show up at, at just the wrong time. It's totally they, true. They, they got bad news at work or at home or totally something. True. Um, yeah. But I would guess just because of the way you present yourself that you're probably not getting, I bet it's pretty easy for you to make an initial contact and make an initial friend. It is, yeah. So for people that that tend to be that same way, that can work against you. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to be too close with um, customers. Like I've found sometimes like if I'm in a house and um, somebody asks, like I found like some places, especially when I've sold like in the Bible Belt and stuff, they'll say like, are you a Christian? And say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you open the can of worms. Yeah, and then and then and then all of a sudden we're such good friends that they feel like, oh, okay, understand, I can't yeah. do this. You get it. It's like, okay, if we're too good of friends, I lose my ability to do my job. Completely. And I have to venture into you gotta I gotta maintain a level of professionalism that will cause you to like trust me as your guide. 
right? Completely, yeah. But if we're too close, it's like, oh, you understand. It's easy for them to brush it's you off. It's easier for them to brush you off. So you experienced that. I was just going to say, yes, yeah, so it's, it's basically like a double-edged sword. And maybe this relates to being a girl doing this job, too, because we were talking about there's not as many women that do this job. But um, doors is really the simple part. I mean, and I've had people tell me when we're doing the welcome call or on install, like, I didn't even open the door, but then I saw you standing there and you just looked so nice. So I said, come on in. You know, I never open it for those guys. So there's kind of that right, natural take that side. Advantage, like, go for it. <laughs> exactly. So using that to my advantage, but the, the contrasting side of that is, you know, sometimes you have to sit across the dinner table from like this big macho guy or this contractor who's looking at you like, do mm-hmm. you really know what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was the learning curve where you have to learn the confidence and the knowledge to be able to look someone in the eyes and have those conversations and like you said steer the conversation so the person that just wants to chat your ear off doesn't get to <laughs> so how did you that that's actually super articulate not that that surprises me but i i don't hear many people that a lot of people in this job think i don't know i just suck at closing no you don't suck at closing you have kind of self-diagnosed as i have a pretty open personality that's pretty easy to connect but i need to watch getting too close because then I can't get my job done. Right. 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 So how do you, is that something that you were just aware of or did somebody help you with that diagnostic? So I, I mean, I think practically just having things like leap live, um, what we would do in the office and everything was we would break down ratios. So you'd look here, are my ACs here, are my welcome calls. But, um, when I was first learning, what I did was I tracked it almost to like a science. Maybe this is, the, you tracked it on your own. I tracked it on my own. So I got that tally tracker, but we would track conversations. We, well, it would be, from the doors that you knocked to conversations to houses that you got into to accounts that you created so you could actually see where you were falling off yeah. you know um so it was cool because you could even see when i first started it would be like i got into eight houses and i got two acs and so i could go to grant or to scott or jason and be like what's going on and it's like okay well you're probably opening up so many opportunities with people that are never even interested in what you're doing so um i think that was part of it is tracking numbers yeah, that's there's a couple themes that I see on this show. And one of them is that high sellers, like a lot of times they're unconsciously competent. You're a lot more conscious about what you're doing. But almost 100% of the time, they know their numbers. Mm-hmm. Like they track those. Yeah. So if you're not doing that now, do it. I, I remember um, we, we didn't used to have like cool apps and stuff. But back in the day, we used to have these street sheets, right? And so the way that we would knock doors because I'm 180 years old, is we had this like... Street sheets, I was going to say. Street sheets. So <laughs> check. pretty cool. Imagine this. Maybe it's not cool. Maybe rename Street Sheets. <laughs> street Sheets. This is the name of my band, Street Sheets. So um, we, we'd we have these like construction clipboards and we'd get this like gridded paper and we'd go to a street and say you're knocking like Martin Luther King Avenue or whatever. And on one side of the street, it would be 2468. On the other side, it would be 1357. And so I would take this sheet and I would write the street name on the top and I'd write the house number on the left, on the left-hand side and the right on the other. We didn't have any apps that would tell us anybody's names. We didn't have anything and we'd start knocking. And so if I were to knock your door, it's like a game. I had to get your name. Right. I had to get the other people's names on the street and I'd try to fill in my street sheet so that by the time I got to your house, I could say, I'm looking for the Wathen family. Is that you? Mm. Now that stuff's just in an app and it's in five different apps. People don't know how good they have it. Right. Right. But it was (laughs) one of those things where um, on my street sheet back in the day, I used to tally how many um, pitches I'd gave. Mm -hmm. And then if I got a sale, I'd circle it. And the thing that happened to me mentally through that process, which is what I think you're describing, is if I was 
if I had gotten to like six pitches with no circles, I knew it was me. Something's off. Yep. And when you're driving your body, you can't always see it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the numbers and you're like, wait a minute, I usually get one every four or every three. What's wrong? Yeah, yeah either I'm about two. to hit two yeah. or something is up. And so it's like, okay, take a deep breath, loosen up, think of a time when you were successful. What were you doing? Reset, make a friend, let's go. Right. Those things, you 100%. know. Yeah. But I think some people just go out there and knock and like, I just, didn't, I just, I suck or I didn't get lucky. And right. it's not selling is math. It's right? math. Yeah, it really is. Well, I was just going to say another thing that was difficult when I started, and I think most people struggle with this, is the emotions. So it's, and on both sides too, you have when it's really negative and you get cancels and people angry at you, it's hard to weather those. But sometimes when you have, five installs in a week and you make more money than you made a year at your other job, it's easy to get overconfident and not work, right? So managing the emotion is really difficult. What tracking your numbers does is it removes the emotion. So I just know if I pitch seven people, I will get an account. If I create three accounts, I will get a welcome call. If I create two welcome calls, at least one will install. So it does, it removes the emotion. But then if I've gone 18 pitches and I haven't gotten an AC, then I'm like, okay, let me call someone. Let me pitch yeah, on let the me phone. Reset. Yeah, let me reset. Exactly. That's such great advice. And I think that's, that's, I've been doing this for a lot of years and that's just something that is true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and nobody wants to do it. Like, it's been hard for me. I, I, it's been hard to, for me to live my life by like a spreadsheet and a schedule and all that kind of stuff. But, but it works. Yeah. It does manage your, when you have the data, it, it, it alters your emotions. Mm-hmm. When you don't have the data, you say stuff like, everybody is mean or nobody is interested. This whole area sucks. This whole area sucks. Everybody's been talked to. No one wants it. When you have the numbers, you're like, really? Not a lot of people are home. I've knocked 20 doors, but I've only talked to three people. Exactly. It usually takes me five to get one. Yep. So I'm doing all right. Right. You know what I mean? 100%. That's interesting. So one of the ways then, did you, did you struggle with your emotions or did you find that pretty, pretty early on that if you tally and track that it? No, I mean, the tallying came later. The emotions was super difficult at first because I was so used to just, you, it's hard when you work just an hourly job because it's easy to separate your personal life from the work that you're yeah. doing, right? It's so easy to just, if you're having a hard day or there's a fight relationally, like you can kind of bottle it and then just go wait tables. Just go, go to your job. Exactly. With this job, they're completely inseparable. Like even down to if I work out in the morning or not affects how I am outdoors, you know? So um, that was really difficult and I didn't know all that when I first started. So, you know, you're going out and you're grinding and it's hard and you're still learning and then you get rejected for days and days. You're not tracking your numbers. The emotions feel so overwhelming when you're first starting. So that was definitely something that I struggled with for sure. That's, a, that's an interesting thing. I have, a, I have an older brother who I love more than anything in the world. And uh, he, I don't think he listens to this show, so we're probably all right. I was going to say, you had to preface it with that, so, uh-oh. So he, uh, you know, he relied on me a lot. He used to sell for me when we sold alarms. Mm -hmm. And uh, just on on managing emotions, and one of the things that he would do is a lot of times he would would use me to, like, vent his emotions and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, you're right. When you have a job that, in this job, it's impossible to separate who you are from what you do, mm-hmm. but it's also to, impossible to separate how you're doing from what you do, right? right? Like, right. even if I don't know you that well and you show up all frazzled and you've been in a fight with your roommate or your boyfriend or something like that, and I didn't know, and I just saw you, I'd be like, what is wrong? Something's right. wrong. Like, something is up. Right. And so my brother used to come in and he'd dump all this like heavy stuff on me. And, I, and it would always be before we went out to work for the day. And so I was like, I would tell him, I'm like, hey, picture this. 
Picture I'm in a bright white shirt, all ready to come out selling. And you come in with a bottle of mustard and a bottle of ketchup. And you just shoot it all over me. <laughs> Bro, I still have to go to work. And you just, just like, all this stuff you dumped in my yard is going to be visible on doors. So I have right. to have a way to get rid of it and stuff. Right. But we do that to ourselves. A lot of people just totally. pour ketchup on themselves, pour mustard on themselves by, by you know, engaging in fights with people that they are not clearing or being rude to people or not getting their exercise or whatever. Like, right. For some reason, it is a whole body, whole life job. It is. Right? Yeah. Which is really great if you take advantage of that because it will change every area of your life. So the positive side of that is I think, you know, it's changed my life for the good where I've learned more about myself and learned how to manage the emotions to know what fuels me, what is going to defuel me and what's going to make it difficult, like ketchup and mustard on the shirt. So you're just going to think of that like I'm just really am. Yeah, exactly. I'll be like, this is a ketchup moment. Yeah. It's like Dumb and Dumber, you know, when he's got the hot sauce in his mouth and he's just like going hard on the ketchup and mustard. What what works for you? What what helps you center at your emotions? I think this is one of the most important things of consistent sellers. You're not just a high seller. It's not like you're hitting numbers we've never seen before, but you always hit numbers, which honestly is probably better for longevity of your career. So what are what are some of the things that you use, whether it's, you know, incantations, things you tell yourself um, or actual practices you do to get your emotions in check? So, um, my whole life I've always kept a journal. Like since I was in fifth grade, I have like all these little journal entries. So I always build in time to like read and study and write in the mornings. And that really helps me just take a step back because I think it's so easy to get so narrowly focused on here are the accounts I need to progress today the pressure of I need to get my two ACs and now I have this welcome call appointment and and so it's easy to wake up and just think of your to-do list and so for me taking a couple minutes in the morning to just like even it's just cheesy but just breathe like just be outside I don't for think a minute it's cheesy I think just, I think you need it just you center know? you know just realize like what's really important in life and we talk about this with customers but like pulling them out of the weeds you sometimes you have to like every morning pull yourself out of the weeds and be like I'm good. Everything's okay. Um, here's what I have to do, but I'm going to focus on what's really important first. So um, to me, like starting my day that way really helps me a lot. Um, and then also I think having people to talk to, too, you know, I'll, I'll talk to my roommates and um, usually it's after the fact. So it's after a day, but to have people to decompress with and talk to that are on your side, that are in your corner is, is always helpful. If you bottle it, then it gets really muddled and really confusing yeah. in your head. So salespeople are emotional by nature, right? In yes. order to connect emotionally, you have to be somewhat emotional, right? Right. Yeah. So I think you you need the exhaust valve for the emotions. They can't just sit. They can't Again, sit. you can't separate what you do from how you're doing. No, you can't. You know, yeah. unless you want to do what you do poorly. Right. Right. Well, I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing, though, is um, that I've found is gratitude. So for like, if you're a realist and you think like there's a glass that's half empty and half full, it's true. Both of them are true. But looking at the perspective of the glass is half full is in my opinion, essential for this job. Because there is realities that are really difficult, but at the end of the day, like the job itself is actually pretty easy and it's pretty simple. So, you know, the lies that we tell ourselves of the emotions and everything, you just kind of need to take a minute and have gratitude for every part of the process. You know, even when there are failures, I think those failures usually compound into successes. Or a little mantra I'll tell myself on doors sometimes is no work is wasted. So if there's a day that I'm like grinding from two to eight and I'm getting nothing, um, in a way though, me practicing my pitch and being out in my area 
Jason Crown talks about the hustle muscle, you know, so you're building up more stamina for knocking or you're getting better at the pitch because you're learning your area and you're learning the objection. So when you go back tomorrow, even if league live doesn't show three ACs, like you actually did get better at your job and the work isn't wasted. So um, having gratitude for every part of the process, I think is key to managing emotions. Dude, you're so good, Kim. That's uh, <laughs> There's a lot in there that's really like Thanks. profound. Like it's awesome. Um, the hustle muscle is such a funny thing. Because it's true. So true. So I, I, true. I picture it like running. Like if I were to go out and try to run 10 miles right now. How would you do? I might die. You probably. I, I might die. <laughs> I could probably get through it, but it would be, I'm just not there. I don't have the running muscles. Right. If I ran every day for the next, or, you know, a few times a week for the next three months, I could do it no problem. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like when you start this job, you actually probably can't do a nine hour day. No. Because no your mouth hurts and your brain hurts and your eyebrows are all tight and yeah. you're hungry and frustrated and you got cotton mouth and it's just, nah, everything's <laughs> bad. Um, so true. But it is, it is, where did you come up with no work is wasted? Is that something someone no, I think I think it just was in. You made that in your I brain. I think I made that in my brain. Wow, I think that's a you just cooked brain. it up. I cooked it up. Yeah, no work I'm is wasted. Work. I've talked about mine on this. Do you know what mine is? I have no idea. Um, nothing calms me down or stresses me out more than time. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's not my mantra. That's just oh. true. <laughs> and so what I always say is, still got time. Just still got time. I like that. For some reason, it's like because think about it. Like especially um, in the dark quarters, like four and one. Mm-hmm when you know it's it's 5 15 and you're like oh it's getting Hitch dark back. yeah and you start to like feel that thing well if you got to your area at 3 30 and it's dark an hour and a half later you're crushed by time yeah. and so one sometimes that's unavoidable if you're like hey i still got time mm-hmm. like how many accounts have i personally sold in my career at between the hours of 7 and 9 p.m. Honestly, the majority. A lot. But why do I freak out at 6 mentally? It's just, it just happens. And so I found that if I tell myself still got time, like my shoulders drop, mm-hmm. my face loosens up, my eyes are a little bit softer. Yeah. And I can talk, I'm not like in people's face, like right. rushed. Right. And so when I get to hood early and just like, it, nothing to me is better than putting Nikes in the neighborhood at one o'clock. I used to, when I was selling full time, I'd, I'd take one day a week on Wednesday and I'd go to my hood at 11 mm-hmm. because I'd just be like, dude, I got nothing to do, time. but be here. I love that. And so whoever meets me today is going to get a really easy version of me. Right. Whoever meets me on Friday when it was crazy busy and I got out here too late and I have to leave too early, right. it's going to be a bad experience for them. So mm-hmm. for some reason for me, still got time. And I always say selling is easy. I love that. It's just easy. It, it, is. it is. It's it actually is. easy. Yeah. I love that. I'm Another not always one. easy, but selling is easy. <laughs> Another one I do, and I think I think Grant's the one that said this one, but it's all you need is one. It's kind of like that Beatles song. All you need is love, but all you need is one. But that's kind of nice too, because going back to you're like all sober, you need is yeah. One. Hey, I'm, I'm saying it like that in my head. <laughs> um, but like going back to serving, and you can't control the emotions that people come into the restaurant with, and like it's like that on doors. So it feels discouraging if you feel like oh my gosh, the last 15 doors are just not interested, not interested, not interested. But kind of the all you need is one. All you need is the one person who's just looking at their electric bill and is like, honey, maybe we should look at solar. And then you happen to knock on their door that night. Like, so yeah, that's another one for me. You haven't really developed like, um, like positive callus, like a person, like a soul <laughs> callus that it has to, it's like playing the guitar, right? Like yeah. your fingertips have to get a little calloused or else it hurts to play it. And I think mm-hmm. consistency causes those effective calluses to where, mm-hmm. yeah, like when somebody says no, it's like, 
didn't find them. All you need is one. Yeah. Selling's easy. Still got time. No work is wasted. That's good. The the Navy SEALs talk about that. We've done some like Navy SEALs beat the crap out of us activities. And they'll talk about having a mantra, something that you say to yourself when things are really hard. Now, those guys are super aggressive. But one of the things that that I learned from them is you have to have something that you go to. Mm. Um, And and it's the same thing as to what you're saying right now. Mm. Because if you don't, what what fills it? Like thoughts are going to come up, whether intentional or unintentional. So if you don't drive it, it's from as a man thinketh, but if you don't consciously put the right thoughts there, other thoughts will go there. And they're going to be thoughts that are easier to think like this freaking sucks. Right. Or I lost it. I can't do it anymore. Right. You know, I was telling someone the other day, there's a book called the power of the subconscious mind. Mm. And it talks about how your brain, your subconscious brain can't differentiate between a true and a false statement. Mm. So for example, if you say, Oh, I suck at closing. Your brain's not going to, your subconscious isn't going to be like, Kim, you're being hard on yourself. You close lots of accounts. Well, I think what you're trying to say is you're having a hard time closing today. It will not do that. It'll just say, all right, you suck at closing. Check. Mm -hmm. But then your subconscious is where most of the, like the actual, like things come to pass. And so it will try to prove you right is what Jordan always says. Mm -hmm. And so what will happen is, yeah, your, your hesitations, your micro movements, your subconscious, your eye flitters, whatever it is will act in accordance with someone that sucks at closing. But if, yeah, but if you say to yourself something like, I got to find a way to get better at closing. Right. You'd be like, all right, got to find a way to get better at closing. Here's a way. Right. You know what I mean? But it's weird. Like the, the person often that talks to us with the most disrespect, like someone thinking that you would never permit anyone to say, you say to yourself. Yourself. Yeah. 100%. If someone's following me around saying, you suck at closing, I'd be like, dude, back up. Yeah. Right. But I wouldn't be like, well, what do you, you know, just like be his little puppy, you know? Well, I think like that's where the gratitude comes in because it really does. I mean, it's, it psychologically rewires your brain to have that perspective. And it's not just for this job, it's for everything, you know? Uh, Cause I feel like every season of life, there's pros and there's cons. And with this job, there's pros and there's cons, but um, you know, just to wake up every day is a blessing and it's enough to be grateful for. And, and then this job is just, if you really do take a step back and you, even if you had a bad day, you really remove yourself and you see this opportunity for what it is. It's unbelievable what an incredible job it is it really is yeah it's 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 one of those things where um my my dad used to tell me um my dad's an executive banker and he used to always tell me like he's like you're, you know you're, you're overpaid for what you do and initially it would kind of like I, don't, I mean I don't get offended my dad's super awesome but at first I didn't like the way it felt when he said that like you're overpaid for your job because I what I wanted to say was I work really hard and I travel across the country and I sacrifice and I and I face rejection and I do all these things but really we're overpaid for like what we do like yeah. I didn't create this idea right I didn't right. I didn't lease the first building on my credit card don't surgeons make like two hundred thousand dollars some of them do like yeah like, like it's crazy I know yeah and it's like so I Pops, if you're listening, I agree with you. 15 <laughs> years later, uh, we're overpaid for what we do. Uh, let's talk about journaling for a second. Do you do it? Is it a gratitude journal? Is it a whatever you want journal? Is it always in the morning? It's usually a whatever I want journal. Pen and paper? Always pen and paper. Oh, okay. I love pen and paper. So I take so you notes. just have like catalogs of I journals? I really do. There's I have a bookshelf in my room and there's this huge section that's just journal after journal after journal. So seriously, since I think the first one was 2005, it was in fifth grade. 
and I've kept a journal. You were in fifth system. grade in 2005? Yeah. That's crazy. I was. Yeah. Just killing it with your journal system. That's kind of a cool thing because every year, so 2005 was in fifth grade. You know, it's easy. To oh, that is easy. Yeah. Um, I think that that's probably more profound than most people realize. I, I would say that um, journaling has probably helped my mental development more than any other thing. And I've thought about it. Like, it's not reading. I don't think it's even association with really successful people. Mm. I think journaling has probably helped my mental development and those that I know that do it more than any other thing. Yeah, it's 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 cool because in a way, sometimes it's a journaling just as like a release. Like I can just dump what I'm feeling onto a page, but sometimes I'll use it as like a prayer journal so you can have that like spiritual time. Um, a lot of times it's just gratitude. Like you could just do bullet points of what I'm thankful for and kind of recenter. But um, it's really cool. The, the thing I love about journaling is <laughs> I feel like there's a little buffer period, right? So like I'll keep a journal. I won't read my journal two journals before for like a couple years because there's kind of still an embarrassment where you still feel like oh that's me and I was being a little crazy but if you go back five years you can kind of read through and you can go wow I was so consumed with this one thing that was happening and that person's not even in my life anymore so whatever it is and so what valuable perspective it's really cool to be able to look back on that and there's a lot of valuable lessons to apply today you know Mm -hmm. so the uh yeah like looking at that five years ago and being like this didn't matter right but and it felt so important back then. How much time and energy did I waste on that? Yeah. You know, or, or you know, I look at things where, um, you know, I, so I, our former CEO, Greg Butterfield, you weren't here for Greg, mm-hmm. um, one time showed me this app, it's called Day One, and people are probably rolling their eyes because I talk about Day One constantly. I'm not kidding you. It's helped me more than <laughs> any other thing. But um, what Greg was doing is he would take a picture uh-huh. and every day he would write like on one of his pictures, you know, so like maybe it's like, a picture of him and his wife at dinner. And it's like, oh, I went with my wife to dinner and that was his journal entry. And so I started taking that challenge. And I was like, okay, I'll just do something every single day. I have some other friends that do that too. And now it's probably been six or seven years. And so um, sometimes the little things, like I'll look and sometimes like my thing is, you know, my, my kid said this hilarious thing mm-hmm. and that's all it was. But you have the catalog moments that matter. And then the things that seem like they were such a big deal. This person stabbed me in the back. This person betrayed me. I lost this money or whatever. And you're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But then it's like, I got my first, my kids first steps in my journal. And I'm like, who has that? So cool. You know what I mean? So cool. Yeah. I think, I think the thing from, especially in the morning is when you, when you can write about the day before the next day. It allows you control. It allows you to assign meaning to the previous day, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if if I feel like for me, if I were to journal at night, it would be a lot of I'm, I'm so tired, I'm so stressed. This is this is a lot right now, totally. and that's what it would sound like. Totally. When I write the next day, it's like, man, I am burning like crazy. But there's always some statement at the end. This is the mental development piece. There's some statement at the end that defines the day and locks in the truth, where you say something like. I had a friend betray me, stabbed me in the back. It's really hard. It, um, it's really painful, and I don't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. Then comes the part where it's like, but I guess it's better that I learn this now because I know this is a part of life. Right. That's the piece, yep. right? And so when you see that, or, or hey, man, like I was really frustrated with my wife or my partner or whatever yesterday, but she really gives a lot. And I probably was overreacting. Like that clarity comes out only in my journal. And so it yeah. trains your brain to think 
the world's not falling apart, dude. You're getting stronger. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and especially in the morning when the day hasn't even begun yet. So, and I always, I'm a sucker. My friends always tease me, but I'll always sit outside. Like we have this little balcony and I'll always journal outside. I'll go grab my coffee and I'll go sit out there. Um, but yeah, just something about being outside. And like I said, just taking a deep breath, like listen to the birds chirp for a minute. Feel the sun on your skin. Like you're alive. There's breath in your lungs. And um, that's enough to be like really grateful for. And then that, puts in perspective whatever happened yesterday. So I totally agree. And then you can go through the next day um, and, you know, plan out what you're going to do, but with gratitude and with expectation. So I need to say, even to like my macho dudes that are listening, like, hey, <laughs> hey, go on your balcony. <laughs> let grab the your sun, coffee. Yeah, grab your coffee or whatever. Listen to the birds. Yep. Take your breaths. Yep. And write your freaking feelings down, fellas. Yes. Like, let's get this thing worked <laughs> out. But it does train you how to think. It does. Like, and, and it's the, that, that is probably why you're, you're so good at this job because you know how to resolve and move on and resolve and take the pieces. Like Mike Brand always says that the way you're successful at this job is to put in the hours and learn from your mistakes is one other thing, but I can't, oh, and have a good attitude. Hmm. That's the secret. Work the hours, uh, uh, learn from your mistakes. What was the last one I just said? It literally was four seconds. Have a positive attitude. <laughs> but that's kind of like that's kind of like journaling where it's like, hey, I'm going to log this and learn from my mistakes and, and, yeah. and move on. So, all right, my dudes, let's get that done. Let's get the journals and the streaks going. <laughs> um, so I, on that note, I can't wait until you're like five kids deep trying to find a second in the morning to like have a drink and breathe and not get oh, like... Oh, man, I think about that all the time. It's, it's nice to have the freedom to do that now, but yeah. Till they start throwing toys <laughs> at your drink and it spills all over you and you're like, yeah. ah, be grateful for the chaos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. Right? I'm pretty, uh, pretty lax right now. Uh, what are some of your goals? What are some of your long-term goals? Are you like a goal person or are you kind of a short-term goal and see how it goes type person? Are you someone that's like, hey, by the time I'm... How old are you? 25. So are you the type of person that's like, hey, by the time I'm 35, I want to be here? Or are you the type of person that, that um, you know, sets like routine goals and sees where it takes you? So I never, ever used to goal set whatsoever. But that's, again, that's something that I feel like this job's helped me with a lot. So um, I'm still developing a lot of goals. But my next one, I would say, is buy a house. So I just got the Tesla, which is amazing. But um, buying a house, then doing investment properties. And I have a vision. Um, I think you're the one that said... We overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five. You know. I wish that was me. I actually think that was like Ben Franklin. Oh but. man. Okay, you were Ben Franklin. <laughs> someone, someone really cool, basically said that. But um, yeah. So I mean, there's a, a idea, and again, it's going to depend on the way life looks. But by the time I'm 35 to 40, to be able to have passive income enough to be quote unquote retired would be amazing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool thing. Do you have a timeline on when you want to buy a house? Um, we're going to do this live. We're, we're going to set gonna this goal this live. We're yeah. going to tell everyone what my timeline is. I was hoping, um, don't first, hope. When is it? First six months of next year. Okay. Yeah. So you got a year. Got a year. Okay. You're doing 10 installs a quarter on average. You're, yeah, you're there. Yeah. You're there. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So by in 2022, that will be the year you buy a personal home and an investment home. Okay. Done. All right. Done. We're going to check back in. We're going to check back That's an back easy in. one. You can actually probably do your own home and two investment homes. You think so? Yeah. Okay. You got you to gotta kick up five more installs a quarter. Okay. Got it? Got it. Okay. Let's do 2022, it. 2022, <laughs> average of 15 installs a quarter. 
One done. personal home, two investment homes. Once I'm done with school, so I graduate in October, I'll have so much more free time, I think, just mentally to mm-hmm. be able to to do that, to bump up in schools a quarter. So. It's, it's crazy that I have the type of job where you could do that, like where it's like, you know, a lot of different positions. If you if that was your goal, you're kind of out of control. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, I just need the hours or whatever. But here you literally can just twist a little bit more hours here, twist a little bit more training here a little bit more referrals here and you're there. Like you can literally like mix up the concoction that will get you there, you know? That's cool. That's something to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who are your mentors? Who do you look up to? Not just in this job, but like who, who do you, who do you look to for, for, for guidance or who, um, yeah, who's someone that you look up to? Well, there's, I mean, every leader I've met in this job has been really incredible, but for like personal life, my parents a lot. So, um, they're incredible. My family is like so much cooler than I am. Every one of them, by the way, is bilingual, which is crazy. You got to get on that. I know. You're the only non-bilingual. I'm the only non-bilingual. And you're in one. school. So my what dad. What are you even doing with your I life? Know. No. <laughs> so he speaks Spanish. My mom, she'd probably disagree, but she can speak sign language. And then my sister taught herself Japanese just out of the blue one day. She just said, yeah, she did. I'm going to learn Japanese. And she wow. taught herself. So anyway, so they're, they're incredible people, but. Um, you speak sales though. That's a different language. I guess it's kind of cool. I guess I'm good at. I don't know if you're gonna get like Rosetta Stone for it, but no, it's not quite. You speak cool, the you it. speak the language of persuasion. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they I definitely look up to them. I mean, they're just some of the hardest workers I know. But they also I think maybe that positivity comes a little bit from them. I mean, I just I'm sure. they're just incredible, kind people. They're generous. They're just so sweet, but they're so hardworking. So I look up to them in a lot of ways. Are you uh, are you a reader? So I hated reading actually my whole life until English major, college, huh? Hmm. And then I started loving it. So my wife's an English major, and she does this thing Fun. to me whenever like we're disagreeing on like syntax or verbiage or whatever. She's like, <laughs> "What'd you major in?" I'm like, I do that "As too. if that makes you the expert in this argument." Oh, all my friends always tease me because I'll correct them, and they're like, "Shut up, English major." She's like, "Oh, really? What did you major in?" I'm yeah. like, "Okay." Uh. If that's <laughs> if what you majored in in college like is the indicator of that, like I don't know. So that's cool. Um, what was the last song you intentionally listened to? What did you put on? That's a 100% honest, Kim. 100% honest. Okay, 100% honesty. It was one of my favorite songs, which is the song Somebody Else by the 1975. Okay. It's my most listened to song of like my whole entire life. Really? Yeah. Does it mean something special to you or something? Or? I just love it. I think it's like perfectly made. Okay. I think now we're all going to go listen to that song. Everyone's got to go listen to that song. I just, everyone, and again, all my friends always tease me because I probably listen to it once a day, but I just think it's perfect. Um, what are some of your goals in this job? You, uh, you know, one of our main, well, answer the question before I lead you any, any direction. Goals in this job? Uh-huh. Where do, what do you want to achieve here? So definitely, like I said, I mean, I, I have goals of, you know, beating my personal best. I'm competitive for sure against people, but I'm, I feel like I'm most competitive against myself. So yeah. I always want to be beating where I'm at. So, That's really common with, with direct sellers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really want to uh, obviously top the numbers I'm doing. I absolutely want to do franchise, not one, but at least two consecutive quarters in a row. That was the goal of mine. And then I would love to move into like leadership positions and everything in the company. So um, it would be amazing to be a, a DM one day. Mind. How about in 2022? That would be fantastic. The year right. by three houses. Okay, and how about by Q4 you hit franchise? Of this year? 
You don't have to agree to it, but you are agreeing to all these, so I'm going to hold you to it, and so are all of our friends. Okay, let's do there it. There are thousands let's of people, for some reason, that listen to this show every week. Did you know that? I, I did. Thanks, guys. Thanks and now, for holding me accountable. Now they're going to be sliding into your DMs being like, hey, it's hey, almost 2022. Come on, get to it. Yeah, but again, you just twist the knobs a little bit, right? right. Like, And that's one of those things that, that um, I learned. So our first, our first podcast ever, uh, Adam and I were talking to Tony Hawk. And one of the questions that he asked Tony Hawk was, you know, Tony Hawk did the 900 um, on a half pipe in like 1998. How old were you in 1998? Three. Okay. So when you were three, <laughs> the world watched Tony Hawk do a 900 on a half pipe. Um, and then I believe it was 2018. Yeah. That would have been what? 20 year anniversary. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm that bad at math. 20 year anniversary. Yeah. He was like 48 years old and he did it again. And Adam asked Tony, like, why? Because if you saw, like, the first time he did the 900, there was, I mean, the whole world was watching it. Like, it was, you know, before streaming TV and stuff. And so, like, everybody was tuned in and it was, like, on ESPN and on the news. So everybody saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when he did it in 2018, um, he has this massive half pipe in his office. And it was, like, him and, like, a camera guy. Like, nobody else was there. Mm. And here's this almost 50-year-old man just hucking himself off this, like, 20-foot vert ramp, right? And so mm. Adam asked him, he's like, you've already done it before. Um, no one was even there. Why did you – why try it? And I'll never forget it because it, it kind of, like, it resonates with me in a way with, like, goal setting where he's like, I just thought I could do it. Mm. And the idea kind of excited me. And so it's like, when I think about like franchise, that's 25 installs in a quarter. You know, you can do that. And it's probably scares you a little to say it. Right. Right. Because I, I, I can feel it. It's like, you know, you can do it. Yeah. It would be awesome. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can do that. And I, I think you have a million people that love working with you that would root you on, but we need you in a leadership position. We need more females in DM positions. Honestly, it, it adds so much to the business to have that perspective and that different skill set that that you know different people bring to it like the company is a lot better for that but it every level that you hit in sales or in leadership unlocks another level it's difficult but it also unlocks that other level of experiences too right you know what i mean like just the access to people that are doing it you just get better and better which is ultimately like one of the things i love most about this job so franchise Q4. Franchise Q4. You got to start ramping up now. Okay, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. Yeah. Okay. The secret to hitting franchise, though, is to not try to hit franchise. It's to consistently do front-end volume. Okay. What do you do every week? How many ACs do you do a week right now? Well, it's kind of funny. So I've never been, just honestly, I've never been really that into recruiting. Not because I feel like I'm bad at it. I just haven't really tried, honestly. That's but most I, people. Yeah. So I just brought on my friend, though. We grew up together. And... It was, it was like a, a light bulb for me, but I said, hey, just follow me around for one week. I just want you to see what I do. I want you to see the hours I work and my process. But having her with me for that one week, it, it taught me to like go back to the basics. And I was like, well, I need to make sure I'm doing the right pitch because that's the pitch she's going to use. I yeah. need to make sure I'm showing her the two to eight and we don't quit at 750 yeah. because that's what I want her to do, you know? Yeah. So, um, but it was, I mean, it was ended up being like a huge front end, you know, week for me. So I, I know that I can get three welcome calls a week. I know I can. You I need, just need to do yeah. That. If you do six or seven ACs a week, you'll hit franchise. Yeah. That's the secret. And so I think a lot of people like try to 
you know, see where they're going to end up on the corridor or if I just move this account or if this permit comes in, you should only have to do that once. Like mm. your first quarter getting it going, you should only really have to do it then. But really there should be such a backlog. Like I spent a lot of time with Dave Madsen and I spent a lot of time with Wyler Whitmer and these guys, Branson Hadfield, Cam Catmull, yeah. that always hit it. They always hit it. Right. And they're never trying to hit it. I mean, they're trying to hit it, right? But they're right. never like moving an install to try to get one more. Right. What they're doing is they're consistently doing front end volume. And so the back end volume takes care of itself, especially with our new process. Right. Right. So yeah. that that's one of those things too, where I think um, goals like that though, are like, they, they keep you alive, right? Like totally. they, and, and I, the whole world will cheer for you when you do that. Just like when you bought your Tesla and we're on that text thread. That was so sweet. Everybody was oh so stoked. Gosh, all the boys. Yeah. yeah it's so much fun. Yeah, they were probably right. a little jealous and then they were also pretty stoked. But it, yeah. it's really cool to be in an environment where people are rooting for you. No one's like, well, freak, I could have a Tesla if I didn't have five kids and whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, No, I was just I was talking to my roommate before I came here and she was saying, she's like, your job's so unique because all the leaders, there's no like animosity. Like no one's fighting and no one's clawing their way to the top. It's like everyone is really humble. And the coolest people, she said this, this is her words, she said the coolest people are actually all the leaders, you know, which is sometimes it's the leader is the one that had to kind of get their way to the top through mm-hmm. bad means but yeah. it, it's not like that here it's it's really amazing so i feel all the love and support for yeah me. and now it's out there for the world now hear, it's so. out there you want the secret to recruiting yeah tell people about your job <laughs> that's it that's people it. are like i suck at recruiting i was like well, when was the last time you told someone about your job it's better than most people's job it is it you really earn more is. you get to associate with better people you have yeah. better experiences so I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like if you tell people what you do for a living, maybe they'll want to do it too. I love that. That's what I've been doing. It seems to work. It works pretty well. I could get better at it. <laughs> um, Kim, thanks so much. Do you have a favorite quote? I don't have a favorite quote. You seem to like Ben Franklin. What else you got from old? I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's Ben Franklin. I don't know. <laughs> Someone. Um, favorite quote. I'm racking my brain. I don't think I have anything inspiration to leave everything with. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you do for our teams. I appreciate you sharing today. I think there's a lot of really, really good information. And what it is for me is you're a really good example of somebody that I don't want to say like you're someone that intentionally shows up, right? Like there's a lot of people that show up with a lot of like flash and panache English major. How was that word? That was honestly very impressive. Is it right? Is it panache? I think that's the way you say it. I think that's how you say it. Panache, Um, yeah. I see a lot of people that show up with that. And then I see a lot of people that are kind of like self-deprecating that show up. But when you show up, you're there and you're intentional and you're consistent and it's really making a really cool career. Like if, if more people could associate with you and, and continue to absorb that, that's really the way to do it. But I'm super proud of the success you've had so far. And I'm really looking forward to the future success. That the rest of 2021 and 20, you better get to work. <laughs> it's time to go work. I right. should just go knock right now. Awesome. <laughs> thanks thanks for joining Thank us you. and thanks for being on, everybody. This is Electric People and we're out. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.